treat Archer like Archer. Don't treat Archer like Archer who has cerebral palsy. Look past the diagnosis, see him as the human that he is, and then everyone kind of just follows suit. Welcome to Love is a Classroom, Stories of Inclusion, a podcast that aims to serve as a bridge for a more inclusive world. I'm your host, Andrew Goff. Joining me are teachers, parents, and advocates who dedicate their lives to breaking down barriers and fostering a more inclusive world for children with and without disabilities. We'll hear their stories, learn from their experiences, and discover practical ways we can all contribute to building a society where everyone belongs without conditions. Today, I am here with Zach Hamilton. And I'm Anita Hamilton. I am Archer's mom. In this episode, we'll resume the conversation from episode two, where I spoke to Zach and Anita about their story and experiences with Archer. The focus was on the necessity of advocating and doing what's essential for Archer when he transitioned from preschool with Miss Rochelle into kindergarten. In this episode, we'll delve into the emotions experienced by Archer's parents when he is genuinely included, when others acknowledge his humanity and collaborate to make accommodations. This marks the second part of a two-part episode with Zach and Anita, and is the third installment for this series. If you haven't listened to the first two episodes, I encourage you to give those a listen before continuing with this episode. In episode four, I'm excited to share that we will hear directly from Archer and his sister, Don't forget to subscribe to receive a notification. Last year, the school was going on a field trip to tour the Capitol building, and the teacher and the principal were very upset at the fact they could not secure proper transportation for Archer to get him there. And they were almost embarrassed by that. I understood that it's very selfish to expect them to bend over backwards 100% for your one child's needs and leave everyone else that's going on the field trip to kind of just follow. That's not really fair. And so we understood that you may not have been able to get this bus and that's fine. So, hey, you know what? We took them. We got a day off of work and a field trip with Archer. It was the best of both worlds. And the school felt so bad that they couldn't secure the bus. I mean, they offered to pay for our gas to cover the trip, our ticket to get in just because they couldn't accommodate transportation, which was extremely generous and and no one else, I don't think any other parent got that accommodation for them. It wasn't anything we expected. It wasn't something that we had asked for, but Archer wanted to go on that field trip with his classmate. You talked about any decisions that have been made are very deliberate. Being in a small community, how do the lack of resources impact that decision process? Sometimes you just have to do it yourself and that's okay. Sometimes the schools just can't get the bus to support him. In in smaller ways too, though, he was given pieces of equipment and maybe they weren't working in the way that we needed them to work for him. So I've sewn little straps to hold his legs into his wheelchairs because the ones that they are given weren't working for us. My brother helped me saw the legs off of a table so he could have a tray with the chair that he was using to eat out of. We've just learned to adapt and use the things that we have and how can I change this to best suit him? 
We've been doing that since he was born, really. When Archer was in fourth grade, he told us that he wanted to start band when he was in fifth grade and he wanted to be a drummer. As Anita mentioned, he only has access to, to really one hand, and that's difficult when you're a drummer. You need to keep the beat. So what I did early in his fourth grade year was I contacted the school that he was going to go to in fifth grade. I said, this is who Archer is. This is what his condition is. This is what all the condition entails. He wants to join band. He wants to be a drummer. We got a meeting set up with the band director. She said, hey, these are some things. These are some people I can reach out to to see how we can fulfill his desire to be a drummer. And then guess what? This year he's in fifth grade. He just had a band concert and dang it, that kid played drums. So all you need to do is just make the phone calls and it will happen. It's okay to call a year or two years, three years in advance. When Archer's ready for high school, we will already know what he's going to want to do. I can call a high school when he's in sixth, seventh grade saying, hey, in two to three years, this is where he's going to be. How can we get him to this spot and let them help? Could you transfer that to a parent of a two-year-old? What could a parent who's considering preschool do in advance so that the classroom is more prepared? First and foremost, they, people need to realize inclusion is more than just the child in the classroom. You hear the phrase, it takes a village to raise a family. It takes a village to raise a child with a disability too. So include the village, include the parents, include the OT, include the PT specialists. Let's all work together. Communicate, 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 and then communicate more. If you do have a two-year-old or a three-year-old who's going to be starting preschool soon and you know what school they're going to, contact the school, contact the administration, contact transportation, make sure that they know that you're going to be requiring a handicap bus for your son or daughter to go to school. Contact the school saying, hey, this is what's going on. This is where we are with our PT and OT. This is kind of suggestions they are making. What can we do to accommodate that? And what can we do to help both parties succeed in this matter? Just communicate with them. If you walk in there two days, two weeks, three, you know, a month before school saying, oh, by the way, here's my son or daughter. They're starting school. This is all their needs. Go meet them. It could be months before your kid can start school just because they don't have the time to get everything they need to get done before they can start. Well, we've had that experience too where other kids have started school and Archer was left behind for a week or two because they didn't have a one-to-one aid put in place for him. We didn't feel safe sending him on his own. That's happened a couple of times to us. A year ago, Archer was invited to a friend's house for a birthday party. The child really wanted Archer to come and told his parents that he was in a wheelchair. And those parents actually took it upon themselves to give us a call to see what exactly we needed to make sure that Archer was able to not only go to the birthday party to be included. It was that important to them that Archer was included in their son's birthday party. And that was huge. It is not a sign of disrespect if you come to me to ask questions on how you can help. What is disrespectful or what can come across as disrespectful is assuming and not knowing or just not wanting to ask and just avoiding the situation altogether because it's more convenient for you to not be involved. So to build inclusion, include everybody. That's the key of the word. Include everybody. Ask questions. 
be willing to be uncomfortable for a minute until you realize it's not as hard when you have other people around you to do certain things. It was a big deal when that family called Anita and asked, you know, we really want Archer to come to the party. What do you need so he could be there? That was huge. That rarely ever happens. And then even this year, Archer had a back to school event at his, at his school and he wanted to show us where he sat. Like every other kid that goes into school, he wanted to show his desks. I remember going into one room, a student was standing in the doorway talking to his teacher and the teacher just kind of shuffled the kid over just a foot or two and said, Archer's coming in. There was no frustration. There's no hesitation. Their conversation never broke. They just knew that Archer's coming in. Let's clear the doorway. It was easy. I just think it was just because of all the communication that we've had with the school and understanding that we all have on both sides of the aisle where, you know, as a school, this is what we can do. Well, then as parents, this is what we can do to help you as well. And I think that really is the best way to do it. To build inclusivity, you just have to include, like I said, the village, everyone. You have to include everyone. And then it's so much easier. It just has to be a thought. And sometimes that's all it takes. It's not always easy to find ways to include everyone. Sometimes it's really difficult. We know where every ramp is at our local grocery store or the museum we go to all the time or the park we go to all the time. And we know that because we know to look for those things. Once you open your mind to watching out for barriers, it'll come more naturally. And it really won't even be a second thought. You've shared a few examples of Archer School making things work. You mentioned busing and drumming in the school band. What can colleges do to prepare for students to be able to work with students who have disabilities, uh, to work with Archer or children with cerebral palsy? Look past the diagnosis, see him as the human that he is, and then everyone kind of just follows suit. If you always make it a point of Archer and his chair and this and that, people then start seeing Archer and the chair and this and that, and that's not fair to him. And it's really not fair to everyone else because then you put emphasis on the disability. But what you want to put emphasis on, and what I would hope teachers put emphasis on is not Archer's disability, Archer's abilities. What can he do? If the teacher asks a question and Archer knows the answer and he raises his hand, call an Archer. He may answer slower than other kids, but he might know the answer. Let him have that extra couple seconds to get the answer out. Don't assume you know what he's going to say and interrupt him to answer for him. Let him speak. Let him be his own voice. Let him answer his own questions. And I think eventually it just becomes normal for a lack of a better word. I hate that word, but I think, you know, it becomes routine. It becomes what happens. You know, I'm curious now that you brought this up, if college campuses actually have handicapped dorms for students with conditions similar to Archer's, it's not far-fetched to think he may need assistance in some aspect for the rest of his life. And would a school have the resources to accommodate that? You know, most kids dream of graduating high school and going to college and living in the dorms and experiencing all that college has to offer. Is it fair for us as parents to expect a school to hire someone who's with Archer 24 hours a day, helping him shower, use the bathroom? No, it's not. But on the same token, is it fair for Archer to go to school, get good grades, and not be able to go to his dream college because they can't accommodate him? No, that's also not fair. So there's gotta be a willingness to adapt on both sides. Archer, maybe you can't go to a school in New York because we live in Texas and that's just too far away if you need immediate help. 
Let's look at some local colleges. Let's see what we can do there. Let's not take your goals and ambitions away from you, but at the same time, let's see what we can do to help nurture those goals and ambitions yourself. And another thing that I kind of thought was something that we had kind of learned through this whole process is to start early, especially when you're going from one school to another, when you're when you're going up in the grades to reach out to those schools and see what resources they can have and how you can utilize those resources or suggest ways that they can help. So I was talking to my daughter this morning um, about representation in books she reads, movies and, and TV shows. She pointed out a few characters who reinforce negative stereotypes. I'm curious what you think of the representation of people with physical disabilities in society. When I was a kid, they separated the handicapped students from the general populations of the classroom. We had those jokes like you would ride the short bus to school. I mean, that's what we did growing up. Now that they've made it more inclusive where archers in with the general classes, I think now it's almost to the point where if you don't see that in a movie, you kind of question it, you know? I'm just seeing a lot more recently that there are disabilities being shown in TV commercials and in shows and movies. And I saw a Broadway show that had a person in a wheelchair included in their show as well. I feel like we're getting, as a society, we're opening up to making that normative and letting the public see them instead of hiding them away. So I feel like we're moving in the right direction. If you could go back to Archer's transition from preschool to kindergarten, is there anything you would have done differently? The one thing I would do differently is insist on being more involved with the hiring of his one-on-one para. I do understand that there are policies in place at schools, and I know that unions do factor into the hiring of individuals, but unlike his classroom teacher, this person has a constant direct one-on-one with Archer. And to be honest, no one knows our son better than his mother and I. Anyone can apply to be a one-on-one para, but that doesn't mean they'd be the best fit for Archer's personality and his needs. Archer needs someone patient, nurturing, and caring. Sometimes personalities do just clash, that's life. But there were many times when Archer was going from his schools where he would come home crying because he felt like he was in trouble or he didn't like how his aide was speaking to him or the way that his aide made him feel. And that's never okay. And I am not above contacting a school or a district to voice my opinion or concern. When we started hearing about Archer needing a pair, we kind of hoped that this would be an aide that would move with him from next grade level to next grade level. And aside from Mr. Shell, he's also never had an aide that's been there two years or consecutive. Mr. Shell's the only one that he's had in back-to-back years. So if I was able to be involved with that interview process and tell them, you know, this is who Archer is, this is what he kind of needs. This is kind of what we're hoping for. If you're only going to be here for a year, great. But if we could find someone that's willing to graduate with him and move up in the classes, that'd be so much better. And that's what I would do. I would advocate more to be involved with the hiring process of his aid. We actually had that this year. Uh, at the end of the first half of this year, to the second he got a new aid. And his school actually did allow us to come in and talk to the person that was interviewing for the position. And we kind of got to meet her personality. And then they brought Archer in to see how they would react. That's never happened before. And I think that was huge. Yeah, but I also think that that, that would take a lot of time. A lot of children need 
one-to-one and for them to both the aid and the school and the district to all have the opportunity to sit down with every family. I don't know that that is something that they can make happen, but maybe there can be some communication between the school and the parents before someone is hired or put in that position to just see what kind of personality and what kind of person they think would be the best fit for their child. And then there can at least be some open communication there and an idea of who might fit best with this child instead of just putting whoever they have available. What advice can you offer parents who may be in a similar situation as you were back when Archer was in preschool, transitioning into kindergarten, or thereafter? The thing that gives me the most comfort thinking back is that we asked a lot of questions, a lot of questions. And maybe they don't have the answer, but even someone willing to think about things from our point of view really helped ease my mind. As he was going into school, even if it's not what I wanted to hear, the open communication is the biggest, biggest thing. And ask questions. If you're scared, ask questions. That's, that was the biggest thing for me. For me, the advice that I would give to a family in a similar situation would be being a parent is hard and having a child with a disability like Archer, it's just hard. It makes it even harder. And no two people really process stress and hardships the same. And so understanding that and allowing Anita the opportunity to process difficult situations or stresses that come upon not only just being a parent, but the stresses of everything that goes into being a parent of a disabled child, it really helps. And one thing that we kind of said to each other, it really puts a lot of things into perspective is God gave us Archer because he knew we would be the best parents for him to succeed in life. And no matter how hard it was, we are his parents for a reason. I remember when Archer was born, the doctor came in and told us that he would most likely be diagnosed with cerebral palsy within the next couple of years. And we were terrified. We didn't know, one, what that diagnosis meant. We didn't know what to expect. They couldn't really tell us what to expect for the severity of the condition or anything like that. And I was like, how do we deal with that? But then parental instincts kicked in and we just knew. We started to ask them questions that we didn't have answers to. We started trusting what people were telling us. We would do our research. And then we started to realize we were given Archer because we are strong enough to handle everything. We can do this. We are strong. And if another family is in the same situation, guess what? You can handle this. You too are strong. And God gave you your special needs child because he knew that you could handle it. So trust in yourself. You can do this. Zach and Anita, thank you so much for joining me on Love is a Classroom Stories of Inclusion, sharing your stories, your experiences, and what you learned along the way. You're so welcome. Thank you for having us. Listening to the stories and experiences shared by Zach and Anita, my initial reaction is, wow, these are excellent illustrations and examples of inclusion. But upon further reflection, I realize that they also serve as a wonderful example of parenting and teaching with love, things that all children need. 
Inclusion benefits both children with and without disabilities, neurotypical and neurodivergent. It's the right thing for every child. In the first three episodes of this series, there's no doubt that Archer is loved. He's appreciated for simply being himself, a friend, student, musician, and more. In the next episode, we will hear Archer and his sister tell us more. Zach and Anita, thank you for allowing Love as a Classroom Stories of Inclusion listeners to see Archer as Archer, not just a child with cerebral palsy. As a listening community, I hope we can all work on seeing children as children, people as people, who thrive when enveloped in loving relationships at school, home, and in the community. Thank you for listening to Love as a Classroom, Stories of Inclusion. Please subscribe to the podcast, post a review, and share our episodes. You can follow us at Love as a Classroom on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you're a teacher, parent, or advocate who would like to share your story, please go to loveasaclassroom.com, click on contact, and share a brief summary of your experience. Until next time, choose love, choose inclusion. Choose inclusion.